For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Arnie, good morning. Today we have some special programming. As many of our listeners know, uh, John Engen, long-term mayor of Missoula, died on August 15th. And we were lucky enough over the past uh, six years or so to have him on our show many times as a guest. And we're going to use the next couple of weeks to share with our listeners again the comments, thoughts, and uh, life of uh, John Engen. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, good morning. Good morning, Scott. The uh, November 7th election is not much at the federal level or the national level. It's an off year, as they call it. Exactly. But here we have a pretty uh, intense mayoral election going on. And uh, rather than get into all of the nuance of what's going on, we're going to have both uh, John Angan, the current mayor, who's been a mayor here for uh, almost 12 years. And we have Lisa Tripke, his uh, first-time candidate for office and challenger. Rather than get into, you know, where they stand or, or preliminarily what's been discussed, I think we can sum up both of the campaigns by the slogans they've adopted for this election cycle. And what are they? Well, for the incumbent mayor, John Agan is, the slogan is, Our Missoula, Your Mayor. Beautiful. Perfect for an incumbent. And what's incumbent? Lisa Tripke's? Lisa, as the, uh, as the you know, upstart, as you would call her, right, the person who's running, it's enough is enough. <laughs> Two <laughs> polar opposites. Yeah, right, polar opposite positions. And when we had Lisa on in May, she said she was not going to, she had nothing against John. That you know, right. She was just, you know, she, you know, she wanted, you know, lower taxes and, and uh, you know, less spending or whatever. But I think that has morphed during these last four or five months into, uh, you know, the slogan, which is a little bit more, you know, uh, I would say negative than when uh, she, we first talked to her. Right, you know, and John is pretty steady and and held his course from the very beginning. But we have them both here today, and they're going to uh, both articulate where they stand a week out from the election. Right, and I'm looking forward to it. We're going to do this commercial free right after this first message. We're going to have about 25 minutes, 28 minutes with John Engen, and 25, 28 minutes with Lisa Tripke, providing ba- equal time. Equal time. Back after this on what do you know? Nope. And we are back. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. We have John Engen on the show for our listeners. How are you today? I am well. Thanks for having me again. Well, we're always happy to hear about what's going on in the city. And, of course, in this particular uh, interview uh, conversation, we're going to be a week out from uh, the election. So how's the election campaign going? Uh, You know, I think it's going uh, pretty wonderfully. I've had a chance to talk to lots of people, be in front of audiences with great questions, uh, reach out to supporters, uh, contact voters, all good stuff. You know, and that doesn't, I mean, you have a very active schedule, you know, during the normal course of business. But in the campaign season, there's an extra effort, I believe, in most cases, in your case, to really have forums and community discussions. And, and you've been doing that. And what have you learned that you didn't know before this election cycle? 
Oh, you know, I'm not sure that I've learned a great deal um, that's new during the election cycle, but I've certainly heard from folks uh, the concerns that I've heard year over year. Um, that is, uh, how do we keep Missoula a great place to live and how do we keep it affordable? Uh, how do we uh, how do we balance wants and needs with revenues? Uh, how do we make sure that folks have safe, decent places to live? Uh, what do we do about enrollment at the University of Montana? Uh, and the list goes on. All good questions, all challenging issues, all stuff that I'm interested in taking care of. Does that kind of dialogue and those kinds of concerns, are, they're not specifically typical to Missoula. I mean, in any city around the country, you hear the same kinds of concerns. Absolutely. And, w- w- you know, frankly, we're we're a lot better off than most communities. Um, Missoula remains a great place to live and a, and a place where people want to live. They move here. They invest here. Um, there are there are lots of places where I wouldn't be very interested in pursu- pursuing the job of mayor um, for all sorts. Krasnodar of Soviet Union, for example. Well, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> among others. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, to point out some positive things before we dwell on the, you know, the the issues that emerge and that the, the questions and concerns that you've articulated, you know, in Livability Magazine, we're ranked eight out of 100 cities in the country, towns that they looked at. In coolest towns, the 20 coolest towns in America, we're number six. In Wallet Hub, we're the fourth, fourth best run city, according to their calculations and their and their way of looking at things. Outsider Magazine consistently has listed us among the top 16 or 20 best places to live in America. And and they had a recent survey called the best towns ever, and we're among the top 25 best towns ever. So, I mean, couldn't a mayor just sit back and rest on that and just keep on saying, look, everybody thinks this is a great place? Well, what's the fun in that? And, <laughs> right, yeah, right. And, and you the, can't get your hands dirty doing that. And the, and the fact of the matter is that those those lists come from outside, and frankly, I'm much more interested in serving the folks who sure. uh, I swore to serve. Um, there is always more to do. Enough is never enough in my right. uh, line of work. Um, we're in the business of uh, continuing to be stewards of the place, moving things forward. I love those lists. I, I want to continue to be on them, but uh, I want everyone who lives here to um, to share those feelings. Sure, you know, and that's and that's a you know a tough thing to do. You know, you put up a website and you put up quotes, and then you can leave an opportunity for people to react to it. And of course, sometimes the most vocal people that react to the, those sorts of things are the ones that have ne- negative comments to make. You know, and and social media, by the way, has added a new element to the campaigning, you know, repertoire. I mean, and, I, you know, there's been a recent controversy related to that. And you might want to address that. Well, so social media, interestingly, has um, certainly been around when I've run for office before. Uh, The the tone is a little bit different this time. Um, How so? uh, You know, I think there's a little more negativity. There's misinformation. disinformation in some right. cases uh and and some of the discourse isn't particularly uh civil uh fact of the matter is that um when i am <clears throat> in front of people when i have a chance to have a, a a civilized conversation we can usually find some common ground we can explain some things i uh i recognize that we're not always going to agree 
uh, that's a fact of life that I'm pretty comfortable with. Um, so I, I'm glad that folks want to state their opinions. Um, I, I think it's important that they acknowledge that those are opinions and not necessarily facts. Um, and we move on. It's another tool. It's another outlet. Um, there's all sorts of opportunity for noise in elections. Uh, the best I can do is show up in front of people face-to-face and have conversations. Sure, and that is actually the best way to do it because it dispels and separates, you know, fake news or, you know, or opinion from fact, right? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, opinion right. running around there. And you also mentioned, you know, how you feel on the inside versus the outside. I mean, people hear all, you know, your opponent talks about how you know, our taxes are too high. And, you know, frankly, on a national level, we're the eighth least taxed state by a number of different, you know, independent analyses. And Missoula falls in the middle of the major cities in Montana of being taxed. So within the eighth least tax state, we're we're in the middle of, of cities that are, uh, you know, in terms of tax revenue. Uh, and um, what that leads to is right. from the outside, that's, well, that's a great place to move to. But you always have people locally who don't like increases, right? And they, they, you know, they don't like wages going up and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, you end up with a, a, the noise that you talk about. And fundamentally, um, what, what, what all of that means to me is that uh, I, I think folks just want us to be good stewards of their public investments. They want to make sure, and um, I think they do that um, through the vernacular of taxes, they want to make sure that we're being thoughtful, that we're being uh, efficient, that we're setting priorities um, and I'm happy to hear that all day long, right. and I'm happy to talk about the priorities we set, how we set them, um, and how things work in uh, an elected democracy. Do you find that you know the same folks that are vocal about what's wrong are these the same? Are these people participant <clears throat> in city council meetings and in regular meetings, or are they really is on the fringe? Of, on the fringe, right? Well, we. I mean, I've I've presided over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of council meetings. Um, and I see some of the same faces every week and I see new faces during election cycles. We tend to see folks we've not seen before um, talking about uh, issues that are near and dear to them. And sometimes that's motivated by the fact that they're supporting one candidate or another, sure. or they are a candidate um, in some cases, or they think it's a really prime time to be heard. Um, uh, you actually had a question there, and I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> well, I just think it's just a question of who's – is it a vocal minority that's very public, or is it you know people coming out of the woodwork because it's campaign and election time? So the way I serve in office is <clears throat> I, I listen to the folks who come to city council meetings. I had a conversation just the other day with some folks uh, about the ability that I still have capacity to listen and hear and change my mind. Um, I'm not a cynic. Uh, I don't dismiss folks out of hand, um, even though I may or may not agree with them. Uh, But uh, I I, I think at the end of the day, part of my responsibility is to remember that I represent more than 70,000 souls here in the city of Missoula. And when I hear from five or 10 or 20, I certainly listen, but I have to weigh that with all the folks I don't hear from um, on a regular basis and uh, some of the needs that I know they have and some of the voices that I know aren't heard. 
And so we're always trying to strike a balance. My sense of things is that most Missoulians wake up most mornings pretty happy that they live in Missoula, Montana. They like it to get better. It's not perfect. They don't agree with me on everything I do or say on a daily basis. But all in all, at the end of the day, we're moving forward together. We're still a great place to live. And uh, I keep those folks uh, pretty heavily in mind. You know, it's it's funny because, you know, you get to a certain age like mine when you're starting to be old and decrepit. Start thinking about whether you should have a second home in a warm place during the winter or maybe we should move to a warmer locale. And I've looked I've looked fairly intensively at other people on, you know, other places on the list of the best places to retire. And the, and you start looking at all of the you know, good hospital system, you know, good education system, you know, because you want you want you don't want dumb people around you. Right. You want to have smart people around you, you know. Good retail. I mean, all the things that you want when you're, you know, when you're in your uh, golden years. And I come back over and over after I look at every other place around. I come back and say, well, Missoula has all these things. Ain't bad. No, it ain't bad. And for, you know, the weather, the weather is changing, whether it's man-made or not. (laughs) The weather is changing almost everywhere. And I'm not so sure that, you know, Savannah, Georgia is the place you want to spend the winter after, you know, the the hurricane that uh, just hit it. Your opponent, let me just switch over. Your opponent says, and one of the things that she continually repeats is she wants to offer better services with lower taxes. How, how, does, how do you do that? I don't know. Um, and, and for me, I mean, that, that becomes a fundamental question is, again, we're, ba- we're back to this balance of trying to, trying to make sure that um, the folks who in the same breath say, I want lower taxes, uh, uh, that that sentence all, almost always comes with oh and by the way I got a pothole on my street or uh, gosh I, I I wish we right. could I wish we could mow the grass a little more often in my favorite park or you know the list goes on so fundamentally what we're trying to do is is strike that balance every day um, you have to the 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 budget is not a it, it's it's long and it's a little complicated but it's not baffling if there are things you don't want to do. Uh, you cannot do them, and mm. there are consequences to that. Right. Um, and and what I hear over and over again from the folks I serve is uh, they don't want they don't want their services cut. Do you find sometimes that that's the opponent sometimes they bring up well why are we spending money on this like let's say the bridge over Reserve Street, but they don't understand that that is not funded. By the city, right? But that it's funded by another entity, by a state entity, correct? Well, it's, actually, it's, it is funded by the city through our tax increment finance, financing mechanism. Okay. This is this is an urban renewal district. That that money is set aside as a function of state law for us to make reinvestment in public infrastructure that, in the long term, both improves lives and improves tax base. Um, and if you don't do this work every day or if you haven't studied it, um, it's a concept that's a little tough to get. Uh, so if we don't build the bridge over Reserve Street, that doesn't mean we pave more streets. The the, I see. the money doesn't work that way. Um, and it's very car- compartmentalized and, and restricted it, in how it's used. Specific Correct. For how specific used. purposes. Yep. So that's interesting. So do you think that people need more information or they want they should – like, there's always more information, right? If you have access to more information, you understand why things are done the way they're done. 
then maybe you have less. Unless you're in Washington, D.C. Well, but we're in Information. Information has no relevance to the position they take. The good news is that people care here. They care a lot. They're fiercely independent, so they're going to have divergent opinions. But all you can do is present the information, and it's theirs to draw the conclusion. And we try to do that pretty relentlessly, and sometimes it takes, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of being right in front of that person at the right time to have that conversation. Right. I was, I met with a, I met with a, a club of conservative folks last Friday. Um, and, uh, you know, one, one of the myths of the, uh, bridge over reserve street is that it was, uh, designed and built for the sole purpose of ensuring that big rigs couldn't make it through Missoula, Montana. Um, not true. And in fact, the top comes off so that big rigs can get through. That was one of the requirements of building the bridge. But until that person heard me say that thing and saw me look in her eye when I said it, right. I don't think she believed it. Then right. she said, I didn't know that. That's good to know. Well, Great. That's a good outcome. Exactly. I don't want to cherry pick uh, in this interview specific. I do. Project. Right, if you that's want to cherry pick? Yeah. Okay. Well, then let me. <laughs> Let me tackle the, the the tough issues. No, no, no. I, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about. Does, for example, we have a, a we have falling state revenue. You can spin it any way you want, but it looks like that there was a irrational exuberance by the uh, Re- Republican Party in Helena about how much revenue was going to come in, and it didn't come in, and now we're seeing cutbacks. Does that affect the city, and how it it does? Um, at, at least what we know today is that that. Those revenue shortfalls for the state of Montana uh, don't directly affect general fund in uh, in any traditional way. That is, um, the state doesn't give us money that we're no longer going to see. Um, we're not writing a check back to the state. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the state provides essential services, as the governor often says, uh, educate, uh, medicate, and incarcerate. And... In the case of Missoula, Montana, um, like most communities uh, in the United States, there are folks who um, suffer from mental illness. They suffer from addiction. Um, they have uh, lots of challenging uh, circumstances in their lives. When the caseworker goes away, when the medication goes away, uh, the effect on local government is pretty evident. Um, I'm going to have more police and firefighters making medical aid calls um, and taking care of folks in emergencies who wouldn't be in an emergency, but for the fact that um, they're no longer stabilized by virtue of the services that surround them. I had a, I had a woman in my office three weeks ago, uh, and she is very concerned. She suffers from mental illness. She used to live on the street and um, by virtue of uh, the care she's received through caseworker, medical management, um, health services, she lives a stable life in Missoula, Ooh. Montana. She knows for a fact that when her <clears throat> when her meds go away, she goes away, mm. and she's back on the street because she can't control it. It's beyond her control without mm. help, and that's mm-hmm. what we're going to see. Sure. And you're going to see it at the university because the university is going to experience a cutback. From Certainly, the and and that's that education piece. And then the incarceration piece is part of it as sure. well. Sure. Let me talk about an, another issue that I've heard bubble up uh, on a number of occasions, and that's the, the increase in the commercial property tax. 
that it's going up significantly from what it's been in the past and the assessment rates. Is that an accurate statement that people are sharing or is that inaccurate? So, so assessments really aren't rates. They're, they are what they are. Right. Um, and the state of Montana goes through a fairly regular process of evaluating the value of businesses and residential properties. Um, and, uh, by my estimation, when your stuff is worth more, that's probably a good thing. You don't want your property values to diminish. Right. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, when those uh, when those values increase, um, your uh, taxes are likely to increase commensurate, mm-hmm. <coughs> commensurately. Right. Um, what what we have done this year in the budget, um, again, by virtue of the fact that we have a growing economy and a growing tax base, is we've tried to compensate for that um, that good fortune by not increasing taxes. So actually, when everyone does well, we all do well. Okay. So to the average person out there, what you're saying is there's going to be, the tax rate isn't going up, but the appraisal value of property is going up. For some folks, yeah. Right. So it, so mm. I, I'll give you the example in my office. Um uh, a colleague of mine uh, owns one home, has one uh, that his wife owned before they were married. Uh, one of those properties increased in value under this assessment and one decreased in value under this assessment. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, that's not always the case for everyone, sure. but it's a thing. Let me ask a question, Arnie. In, in light of the recent shootings in Las Vegas, okay, do you think that Missoula City Council should work to strengthen the the gun laws in our city. So, the, what's your position on that? Yeah. So, so the the council has has worked and um, and did uh, did move forward uh, an ordinance that would uh, require mm-hmm. municipal background checks for for gun ownership. Um, I supported that. It seems that it seems to be a very reasonable thing to me. Uh, the uh, Montana Attorney General Tim Fox disagreed. Uh, wrote an opinion. That in effect makes that ordinance null, uh, but to the degree that we can make sure that um, that only responsible gun owners have them, uh, and we can engage in a in a check that's um, far less rigorous than a driver's license exam, for example, I think we ought to do that. Is there better training that the police department is now receiving as a result of? you know, mass shootings and the other things that are happening around. Yeah, the, the Missoula Police Department is uh, in a constant state of training, and, and that training is based on not only um, emerging uh, emerging trends, but also we're still doing the, the bread and butter stuff on calls for service. Um, we've done a lot of uh, what's called active shooter training, and we not only have done that for officers, but we take it out in the community so folks uh, know uh, what to do in the event of what's called an active shooter. Um, the best we can do is try to prepare. Sure. So the favorite topic in Missoula seems consistently is, beside how the Grizz are doing on the football field, is uh, snow removal. You know, it's October. We already have a little snow uh, on the top of the hills around town. And I understand we have a new snow removal plan. And, and what, what are the basic tenets of this new plan? 
We we do indeed, um, and I give all the credit as I often do to um, to smart folks who uh, who work day and night for the city. So Brian Hensel is our street superintendent. Uh, Brian's been doing this for a while, as have I. And uh, one of the things we heard last winter is that. Uh, there was a desire to have more work done around residential streets. So we did a couple of things. One is um, we funded uh, another employee in the streets department, which allows us to have larger shifts at different times to address snowstorms. Uh, so Brian's plan, um, which we will hatch this season, is really all about deploying more resources at the right time, that we can start knocking out some of those residential streets. Uh, we've, we've done snow plowing in the same way for a lot of years, uh, and uh, the world has changed, our yeah. circumstances have changed, and our technology has changed a little bit. We so, have a lot more people living in town since when the, first, the last plan was put in place. Turns out we do, and we've got lots of, we've got lots of streets, and we have lots of expectations. Assuming you get elected. Uh, for another four-year term, do you have some new priorities you want to see accomplished during the next term? I have a continuation of what's been a high priority, and that is housing. Uh, one of the things I've heard pretty relentlessly uh, this campaign, campaign season, but really a long time before that, is that there are just folks who are left out of the market. They're left out of the home ownership market. They're mm-hmm. left out of the rental market. And I want more people to have the same chance that I had as a young man in Missoula, Montana. I, I am not wealthy by a long shot, but any, any wealth I've accumul- accumulated has been a function of um, participating in that American dream of owning a home. Uh, we bought one at the right time, sold it at the right time, bought another one at the right time, and sold another one at the right time. Uh, but there are a lot of folks who just can't take that first step. They can't get mm-hmm. into that first home. So we have a housing office today. We've been working in cooperation with the Missoula Organization of Realtors on a study so that we can do more than a, a seat-of-the-pants guess at what the what the community needs and what the market needs are. Um, and with that information in hand, uh, Aaron Payhan and our staff will work on a number of policies, some of which we'll simply steal from other communities where they've worked well. Um, some that we may Which is have, always the best way to right? right. Some, some, because we're Missoula, we'll have to invent our own. Uh, and we'll be able to make some, I think, real investment based on those policies and being really intentional about it. One thing that I've learned over the course of the last dozen years is that if we have a plan that, um, that has had considerable participation throughout the community, we end up with a guide that we can actual, actually follow and implement. And when we follow and sure. implement it, we actually get stuff done. So is the city prepared to subsidize housing costs? Absolutely. And we subsidize housing today. Right. But, but, we, do it, but we do it as a reaction, and we do it in a piecemeal fashion, and I think we can do it in a, in a way that's uh, more meaningful. In our, in our remaining two minutes, give us, a, give us the, the pitch. Why do we reelect Mayor Engen versus go with, you know, the other opponent. The pick, opponent. The, pick the known versus the unknown. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I am certainly known. Um, I will tell you that, uh, that experience counts in this job. Uh, I am not, uh, as I've been described occasionally lately, as a, I'm, I'm not a career politician, but I am called to public service. I am called to the work that smart people can do together to solve problems. 
I'm called to our shared responsibility to take care of one another. And there is no better place to do that than in local government. My experience has taught me to listen more than I talk. My experience has taught me that compromise matters. My experience has taught me that uh, we can disagree and still move forward. My experience has taught me that if at first you don't succeed, you try again. Uh, I believe that, um, that I have the fire in my belly, the, 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 the scars of experience, um, and the support of the community to move us forward. Beautiful. Mayor Angan, as always, thank you, and uh, good luck on uh, Election Day. Pleasure is all mine, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mayor Angan. All right, we'll be right back. Okay, we are back with Lisa Tripke. Lisa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know, we had you here in May, right after you announced that you were running for mayor. And, you know, now we're uh, heading into the final stretch. So how's the last, you know, five months been? It, <laughs> it's been crazy. but it's, <laughs> A whirlwind? You know, yeah, it's been totally a whirlwind, but it's actually been really fascinating. I think it's um, it, it it's an experience that nobody can really describe. It's a quick study in civics 501 it's just there's so much going on in missoula right now and and i've met so many great people out on the streets and with businesses and i wouldn't trade it no matter how it turns out it's been a great experience have you met everyone in town (laughs) (laughs) no quite a few uh so so um we have a campaign that's sort of been now i guess maybe crystallized into uh, as i said to uh the mayor, when he was on, it's like the two campaign slogans. And I asked him about his, and I'm going to ask you about yours. You know, his is our Missoula, your mayor. Yours is enough is enough. Mm-hmm. So tell us what, what that means to you and what do you, what, what, how, how is that slogan um, conveyed to your, your listenership? Well, first of all, this race is not about me. It's about um, Missoula and trying to um, get Missoula, make Missoula a, a safe place where, we can raise our kids and our kids can afford to be here and raise their families should they wish. I have four kids and they want to stay here and, and they are even expressing to me that they don't think they can afford to. So um, moving on for to enough is enough. We sat around. I have a great team of people working with me right. and we sat around and tried to figure out what the central theme would be. And we came up with several different um, ideas and it just kept resonating with enough is enough, whether it's the rising taxes or the decreasing services, the, um, the, the crime rate that's going up, the affordable housing. There's just a lot of concerns out there right now with citizens. And, and I think there's a lot of frustration with that said, I think John's done some good things also. And, um, it's not all bad out there. It's just, there's people that are frustrated with a lot of issues. You spoke the first time you were with us about, you know, increasing services and, and lowering taxes. Mm -hmm. And you say taxes are going up. How are they going up? I mean, in, in you know, in what kind of uh, you know uh, you know objective measurement are, are our taxes going up? Well, I think there's there's a couple different areas. Obviously, some of the voters have um, passed bonds that they voted on, and, mm-hmm. and that that tends to that that hap- that raises the tax right. itself. And I'm not that's not really part of the the issue that I'm concerned with or focusing on because constituents have had input on those. I think the things that we are looking at are the ones that. There's there's a number of city um, rising in taxes that, that people haven't had a voice in, whether it's the bridge or the water company. Um, there, there's just a lot of 
areas out there that we don't have the voice in. So you really, and maybe maybe I can define, you're really in some ways referring more to expenditures than taxes going up. Because those are those are decisions within a budget in terms of allocation of, of resources. Right, right? But, but we as citizens have to pay for those choices. And I think right now what's happening is some of those choices are being made and then the citizens are being told that we will pay for them with their taxes. I I did a review of my um, the house I live in now, right. and my taxes have gone up twenty seven percent in the last twelve years. And when I when I look back at it, the first eight years they went up and down, back and forth by about one to five dollars. Right. And so it is possible to maintain a budget as is. The twenty seven percent came in the last four years. Right. And so, in my mind, I think we are on a on a path of exponential spending that that we don't have to. What was the, actually? I'm curious. What was the 27? percent What was it? Where did it go to? Like when you said your taxes went up? You know, I I don't have it right in front of me, but just different services, etc. And so the the amount was more what I was focused on on seeing well, what the differences. Well, were. well what's happened? There's two components, th- right. to that. You know, one is you know sort of the assessment value of the property, right. which continues to go up in Missoula. Sure, and in some and a lot of people have pushed back against that. Some commercial property in this town has has doubled in the last couple of years. Right, right. You know, the rate of taxation on property it has not changed much. You know, Montana's rate, so the is, rate is consistent. It's 0.98%. Got it. The national average is 1.21. The Missoula average is about 0.87. We're one of the highest in the state, but it's only slightly incrementally higher. I, see. I think the tax issues are the fact that are more related the affordable housing and the fact that the appraisals have continued to gone up for what how what properties sure. worth in Missoula. Okay, the affordable you know, ta- you know affordability is a really really tough issue. There's two parts of it, I think. You know, and, and maybe you can address you know both of them. One is is the cost of living here, and whether whether you know a house or an apartment or a condo is is priced uh, irresponsibly or too high or isn't affordable. For the average person, the other is the wages, you know, and we're we're stuck in in a, a situation right. here where we have wages that aren't going up very much, and property is going up a lot. Yeah. So, so what are you thinking in terms of how you deal with either of those issues? Well, I think in terms of the the wages. Well, let me back up. I right. think I think there's a common denominator with um, the the roadblocks with both areas, and that's a an issue where whether it's developers and construction people or somebody coming into Missoula trying to start a new business, when they go into city hall, there's roadblocks and it's more complicated than simplified. There's, there's um, delays, there's, there's red tape. There's, there's not a clear, concise process is what we're hearing from both sections of these people. And so people go in and try to do either one of these Mm -hmm. scenarios and they get there. It's not a streamlined process. They don't get put in front of them what they have to do. You hand it in and you comply they comply with what they're given, and then they get random additional requirements, delaying the process, adding to the cost, et cetera. Things that weren't, weren't anticipated. Exactly. And so they're not black and white. And I think that that's, I think in both scenarios, whether it's to attract new businesses into Missoula or to enable um, developers and construction people to build affordable housing, we need to have a clear, concise process that everybody can understand. And it shouldn't be subjective based on who they first walk into a right. department. Um, I, when I look at, you know, somebody who, Bozeman has a lot of this stuff um maybe not necessarily figured out, but they're doing maybe better than we are. And they have an economic um, document that they, the strategy document that they work off of. And they've targeted industry types that they think will um, have a better chance of bringing in higher compensation jobs. And they target and court those industries and then make it 
doable for them to come into Missoula or come right. into Bozeman and stay. And so I think that that's a few suggestions of how we can improve the sure. process. And we have we do have the Missoula Economic Partnership. Uh, are, are you satisfied with how they're doing? Because the city is a, a financial supporter for the Economic Partnership. Sure. I think that, you know, I, I don't I don't have enough information to say whether they're doing what they should be or not. I know some of the people involved and I highly respect them. What I do know is that um, the executive director lives in Boise and commutes to and from Missoula. And I think if we're going to have somebody that is um, really dedicated to making an, or- an economic partnership work, then we need somebody that's passionate about Missoula and wants to live here. Right. Right. And that's, and that's a good point. Yep. We've actually had him on the show. Yes. Super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. He, he doesn't, uh, doesn't live here. What kinds of things uh, you wanted to improve service? What, what kinds of things would you focus on improving? You know, the, the, obviously the one people, the, the two people keep talking about are snow removal and potholes. Right. And when I look at the snow removal, it's actually an interesting dynamic. I live one block off a primary artery and our roads. And I know last year was an anomaly snow wise, but we went 10 days twice without a snowplow hitting our streets. And I have three teenage drivers and one of my son's cars got hit and run. And it, that's another thousand dollars out of my pocket in a deductible that, that that's on top of taxes that we're paying for, et cetera. And I think that if we can't plan for those things, yet the city's supposed to be maintaining and, and right. keeping up with the services that our taxes are there for, I think that that needs right. to be happening. I also visited with um, with a neighborhood that is in Missoula City, pays taxes, and they get no snowplow service whatsoever. So they, and they have to pay additional homeowners dues to cover the snow removal. And to me, that does not make sense if, if we are as taxpayers should be expecting those services. Sure. So you would want to... You think it can be done better with the same amount of money, or is it going to cost more money to be more responsive to those well, I situations? Think, I think there's a, I guess a way to answer that is I, it's it's interesting to me that as of like next week, we and I don't know when this airs, but on Monday, I, I'm not, I don't have a calendar for right, so whatever the date is, this, the, yeah. The, yeah, the 16th, they're focusing on snow removal. And to me, it seems like it's an election season discussion and, and, I'm glad they're doing it, but it seems interesting timing. What I what I think, you know, you look at their seven employees of the cemetery in Missoula. They can't spend their time in the winter um, uh, lawn mowing, et cetera, and, and right. maintaining the cemetery yeah. with the snow on. Why not take some of those seasonal people, cross train them and have them be staffed if they're on staff anyway in full time? We don't need people sitting there trying to find stuff to do if we can put them to right. use in mm-hmm. other areas. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. You know, for, let me let me just ask you. Um, we have free bus service in Missoula. Do you think that's a good thing as, or a bad thing? Or is it, you know, I think before we had the free service, it was about $11 a month. And now it's free for everyone. What's your thoughts about that? Well, so from what I understand, it's, it's there, some of the bus, the free bus is, is on a federal grant. So, so it's being subsidized by that. We did an informal, uh, informal ride alongs over the summer with mm-hmm. our campaign team. And there was never more than one to two people on the bus. A lot of times they were kids who were riding around the buses um, because they wanted free Wi-Fi. And, you know, it's very creative. Netflix and yeah. take a ride. It yeah. is. But that but then they use those numbers as riders, right. as ridership. And and so that's it. The, I think the numbers that, that are being used are, are maybe not as transparent as they could be. And I don't have this for a fact. And I, and I want to say that really up front because right. I don't, but 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 one of the ta- one of the 
ways that we've heard they count numbers for bus ridership is that if you're at one stop, if you get on, say, at Rosars and you go down to Brooks and take a left and however many right. bus stops you ride on, each stop they count you as a rider. So mm. that's three or four riders, but it's really only one. One rider. Right. And so I think the numbers are skewed, and I think we need to be transparent with our numbers and really use raw data rather than data that we want to make it look like projects are succeeding. Sure. So you're, you know, the mayor has the mayor in the city has a city council. Um, the city council, you know, approves or disapproves what the uh, you know mayor uh, you know presents to them. Uh, I think uh, I think an overwhelming amount of the issues that are presented to city council by the mayor are approved. So there's uh, you know they go along with his positions. If you become mayor, how how do you feel you would be able to work with city council? I, I'm not worried about that at all, actually. I've worked with um, some of the people that are currently sitting on city council, and I've worked with several people that are running. I served seven years on the Target Range School Board, and oftentimes I was the lone voice for transparency. But I, I, want, I made my decisions based on educating myself and, and researching the issues at hand. I don't believe that you should um, walk into a meeting with your decision with your mind already made up, and I think that's kind of what's going on right now. And I think you had um, some other people on here recently that that alluded to the fact that since January 1st, there were 3,250 votes taken and only 20 were no's. That's a problem if people are afraid to speak, stand up and speak their mind and question, you know, the the issues at hand. We I sat in the city council and I watched the cemetery uh, issue come up a couple of weeks ago. And it was, again, I used the word fascinating earlier about this whole experience. And, and that one in itself was fascinating. You what had, happened? You had um, public comment with the private, private, business owners. Right. And obviously they were against what was going on. Then you had um, public comment from community members. And then they uh, then you had public comment from the city council. And there were 10 people present at that meeting. And I'm making this up, but about seven of them actually had an, had a voice and said something. And then they each of those people said which way they were voting. And there was Michelle Cares. And I, and I truly admire her because she when I've watched her over the last several months, she she does ask questions and she's not afraid to voice opposition. Right. But she she said she was the one that said she was voting no. The other ones that spoke said they were voting yes. So then they took the vote, and Michelle voted no. One of the people that hadn't spoken up voted no. And then one of the people that said they were going to vote yes turned their decision and voted no. So three people voted no, actually, which I hadn't seen before. Right. They took the votes, and that happened. And then they said, does anybody want to change their vote? There was no more public comment, no more information that was that was given, and two more people switched their votes. And so if it was based on additional information, I can understand why that would happen. But it's almost a fear factor of I'm afraid to stand up and speak my mind and, and go, go, go in opposition or really vote the way I really want to vote with my conscience. And so then it ended up a 5-5 tie and the mayor um, broke the tie. But I think it's, a, it's indicative of people feeling like they have to walk in and vote a certain way when they walk in the room rather than base it on educated no, And what do, you, what do you think they're afraid of? I don't know. Retribution? I'm not. I'm not in their heads. So I don't have weird. an answer to that. But aren't so look? Aren't city council members supposed to do represent what their ward is, what their interests are, and shouldn't they be the ones querying their ward to say, you know, what do we want to do here? Because it's not a personal. It should not be a personal decision. It should be a decision. No, for well, what's in the theory, best the whole elect- the ward. I, I agree, but I, but I, but I think there's such a, a factor of. We're going in and we're going to be unanimously voting. And, and so I, I'm going back to your original question. Right. Is I would I would enjoy um, good, good, positive debate on different issues to come up with a decision that it actually looks like people are putting some thought into it rather than walking in. Right. Well, that's government. Gosh, 
It's like, <laughs> well, you know, but well, what you said earlier is, I mean, in fact, if, if, if representatives, if council members are not representing their ward, they should be elected, you know, the ward. They should be elected out. Right. Right. That's you what know. the election is. That's what, that's what it's all about. Right. So assuming on November 7th, you get elected, you have a 90 day game plan that you, you want to put in place. You know, we, um, we are so focused on, this has been crazy. We're a grassroots or we're a grassroots, right. um, I don't campaign. Know. Yeah. Campaign. And so we are solely focused on, on November 7th and, and yet in the back of our heads, we know we have to be able to jump in on, no, probably take the eighth off and then get to work on the ninth. Truman's yeah. a little fashion. Right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah the, the, no rest for the weary. Right. Exactly. Right. You're going to be working hard. It's a hard job. Yep. Have you met with any of, uh, of the folks that are on the current staff, the administrative staff of the city? I have not. It's, you know, I, I think that we've been out visiting with, um, with cities. Yeah, who have you met with? Like, tell, tell us, talk about who you've met with. Just, we've met with different businesses, a lot of different businesses. We've met with different industry people and a lot of citizens out in the community. It's, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's grassroots. We're going door to door. We're, we, we are um, having some, some meet and greets around the city and just mm-hmm. really trying to get to everybody we can are you doing fundraising efforts as we well? have done some fundraising um how do people find out more about those we have it on our a lot of our a lot of our communication is through um facebook and social media and so it's it's either through the hosts that we that are hosting them they'll send out private invitations or we put it on social media as an open invitation and what's the uh the the well the the way people could find it on facebook is it tripke for mayor yep okay i before e <laughs> Except after C. Yep. In this case, it's K. What would you, you know, I question that I would ask of anyone who's running for public office. What would your what what would your critics have? To, what would they be saying about you? What do your critics say about you? Right, because you've worked in obviously a variety. You were on the school board. You were at work. You work at different jobs. Mm-hmm. What's the criticism that somebody would have of Lisa Tripp? I think that, you know, like I said, I was the lone voice for transparency at Target Range. And so I think that um, probably ruffled some feathers because people wanted me to come in the room with and, and vote unanimously. And I stood right. my ground and said I wasn't going to do that. My kids paid for those decisions. I had a I had a I'll just I'll leave it at that. But my kids had to had a target on their back for you know, they they knew that they had to behave the best of anybody in the school while I was there. And that's unfortunate for them because they were kids wow. in their youth. And and again, it's you know, I guess they say if a if if a if a man speaks his mind, he's a leader. If a woman speaks her mind, she's causing trouble. And and it wasn't like that. I just really believe in educating myself on decisions. So that's probably the biggest thing you'd hear. Sure. Okay. So what's the, over over these last five months? What's the number one thing you've learned? I've learned that I'm stronger than I ever thought I was. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's actually been super fun. You know, it, I, at the, some, one of the questions I had in a forum was who was with me when I decided, you know, name that, that moment that you decided right. you were going to run for sure. And there had been several months of leading up into it, going to the decision. And, and the final decision was when I sat my kids down and said, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And they were supportive, but, it, and I would not have done it without them and having their support, but it teaches, I, I think it's teaching them also that you can step outside your comfort zone and reach for something unattainable and um, really go at it with all of your passion. I love Missoula. It's a, it's, it's a, a fantastic city and I'm so passionate about the, the community that we have and I'm excited to be in this position. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, you're tougher than you thought you would ever be. Or, um, we mentioned to, to the mayor and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's affected both of you. I mean, you have this, you have these social media platforms you have no control over of mm-hmm. comments, right? Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes the comments are not only tough, they're vulgar and mean and nasty. How has that affected you? I mean, because before this, you weren't in that kind of position where you've opened yourself up to anybody taking a shot. You know, I, I think he and I probably face it two different ways. Um, right. We, his his site has has comments, and he keeps he deletes comments that are that are not in favor of his site. And at some point, at some point, there was probably, and again, I'm making this up because I didn't count, but it seemed like there was well over 70 percent that had been removed. Right. We don't remove a comment. Period. The one with the the only exception to that is we had there was a city council member that just. Um, resigned her seat while she was on the ballot and we share news stories we share lots of things and right on our on our um, page and so the story came out about about her resigning and the only issue with that and the reason we shared the story was because now the city council because she was on the ballot the city council can appoint that position right and so no we didn't put any commentary on it we just shared the story and if the city council appoints the position then it obviously it's not voter chosen unfortunately because she was native american um there were people that I don't know who are on my website who totally um, made derogatory comments and it was ugly and hurtful and horrifying to me. And so we removed that whole post because it did her a disservice. It did the community a disservice. Sure. And we don't condone that at all. That's that part of it. The other part is I and, and I'm sure I drive my team crazy, but I don't read the comments and I tell them I don't. They're like, did you see that? And I said, I haven't. I don't read I don't read the articles written about me. Probably so better I, for your mental health. It is. It is. And I, because I like to come home and, and be, when I'm mom, I'm mom. And I like to be healthy and happy when my kids are there. And, right. and, and so for me, it's my, it's my staying power of not reading the stuff. So I, I pay attention to the comments when somebody tells me I have to, and I don't otherwise. Lisa, we have about two minutes left. Okay. To give you a chance to do your campaign pitch to our listeners about well, why Lisa for mayor. Well, I the reason I decided to run and and what started all this was uh, John came out and said he was going to raise taxes every year. And I think it was on a show with your radio station. And when you look at that, I want my kids to be able to um, be in a place where they can they can live and afford to stay. And that's kind of what started the process. I called a friend of mine who I thought was running and she lives in the county, not the city. And so that that led to us you know, kind of exploring what different options were. And so we spent the next few months trying to determine the feasibility. What it's come to now is we want to be able to create an economic climate where all of Missoula can live, work, and thrive. We want to um, exercise fiscal responsibility and prioritize spending. Taking a look at the infrastructure, we want to make wise investments in that. We don't need to do everything at once. We can take our time and, and not chase federal dollars on every project that comes around and end up having the taxpayers pay for the balance of that. And then I um, kind of, I want to look, I don't know how this all works out and I need to look more into it, but it's, I want to look at term limits because I think that if you have term limits, then yes, the election is kind of a term limit in, in effect, but if you have term limits, it leads to more objectivity and less um, fraternizing and doing special projects. Lisa, thank you for being on the show. Good luck on November 7th. And, Good luck, uh, Lisa. Thanks. And hopefully we'll uh, be talking to you again in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO and NewstalkKGVO.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.